three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglul, great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, Justin Fields has made some new comments in Bears minicamp. We'll explain in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Mike Harmon, the host on Fox Sports Radio and the founder of SwollenDome.com. Talk with him extensively about Bears football, some White Sox baseball, his career, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John Zaglul, you to watch more of this show Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. For the most part, when I'm wrong, I'll admit it. (laughs) I know myself, sometimes I won't, but usually I will. Matt Eberflus, I admitted it. I let emotion take over and guide my opinion instead of logic. And once the logic hit... A day or two after, I made a new video redacting what I said and said, you know what, we have to give him a chance. A couple of days ago, I made a video about Justin Fields, about the potential, it's mostly speculation that he could request a trade or would be traded. Doubt it's going to happen. The likelihood's at 0.0001%. It probably won't. And I said, you know what, he'd be warranted to ask for a trade. The Bears have done nothing for him. And while most of that is true, we have some new quotes from Fields and some new reporting on what the Bears have done for him, at least offensively and schematically. According to Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun-Times, quote, Bears quarterback Justin Fields says O.C. Luke Getze has already been working on his fundamentals, a small tweak. Changing his drop back so he's got his left foot forward when he gets back there. Should speed things up and help with timing. Quarterback Justin Fields says he hopes, quote, Luke Gensey will tailor plays to my skill set. Justin Fields has been working on his drop. Justin Fields, when asked if he was put in the best position to succeed last year, I don't know. We all know. But these are all very encouraging quotes to come from Fields. I love to hear that he's working on his mechanics more than anything. You can only do so much with a scheme. And that's true. And that's not to say Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. But the fact is, you can only do so much. If there's a problem with you, yourself, you've got to fix that up first. <laughs> and he's doing that. 
actually listening to coaching from Luke Getze. That's a big deal. It seems so insignificant. I mean, this is just a tweet I'm reading. Who cares, right? No, big deal. Proves he's coachable. Proves he can listen and take criticism. Proves that he's willing to get better and willing to put in extra work. These are all great signs and very positive news to come out of fields and from the Bears right now. It makes me even more optimistic considering that the other day I said they weren't doing anything to help him. Well, here's at least some sort of evidence to suggest otherwise. Now, personnel, it's still a crapshoot. Personnel is not there yet. We know this. Hopefully the draft will change things a bit. But coaching-wise, too, the Bears obviously did not prioritize Justin Fields last year. And I'm surprised for him to say he was put in the best position to succeed last year. His answer was, I don't know. Very mature on his part. If that were me, I would go all out. I wouldn't even resist. I would say, hell no. (laughs) That idiot Matt Nagy, or probably a much different word if I wasn't on the air. But still, for him to sit there and actually say, I don't know. Again, seems like nothing. It's a maturity thing. Hey, Baker Mayfield, he'd say, oh, I know. (laughs) Josh Rosen, I mean, all these younger quarterbacks that we've seen over the years would definitely have a say and would definitely voice a pretty strong opinion on the situation. Even older quarterbacks who are babies. Aaron Rodgers, baby. He's the one who forced out Mike McCarthy. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy was great, but the fact is Aaron Rodgers made sure to publicly voice his displeasure with what he did. Now, Matt Nagy deserves it, no question, but the fact that Justin Fields is holding back, pretty surprising. Extremely surprising. Goes to show the level of maturity that he has in the type of hat that's screwed on his body. You might think all this stuff is small and I'm reaching, but really there's a lot you can take away from these quotes and this press conference in general. A lot. So he's changing up mechanics, not throwing a really bad coach under the bus, and hoping, quote, that Luke Gensey will cater an offense to his skill set. Really, this actually calms me down a bit. This is really one of the best outcomes you could have out of this voluntary minicamp. All this, all these quotes, all these answers, especially the mechanics part. It's not to say that Justin Fields wasn't mechanically sound, but anytime you can make an improvement as a second-year quarterback, mechanics-wise, you do it, no matter what. I don't care if he has perfect mechanics. If you can make an improvement as a second-year quarterback, mechanics-wise, do it. It's only going to help you. And here it says it's going to help him, too. Going to help him have a little bit more time in the pockets. Help out with his timing. Which was a problem at times last year, obviously, with no offensive line and no weapons to throw the football to. And a coach like Matt Nagy, which we'll continue to talk about. <laughs> Have to like these developments that are coming in from voluntary minicamp. Now, the draft is next week. We're going to have a ton of coverage for that come next week. But right now... If the Bears really want to prove they're all about Justin Fields, you better draft a wide receiver and some offensive line help, but preferably a wide receiver with that second-round pick. Do it. You know what to do. You know what your quarterback needs. Do it. Stop waiting. Stop messing around. Help out your quarterback. As I mentioned on Tuesday, and this still warrants some consideration here, 
Still, the Bears have not done anything personnel-wise to reassure Justin Fields. They have time to do it, for sure, but they haven't done it yet. That's why I said it wouldn't be a bad idea for Fields to request a trade, or at least I would think it'd be warranted. They've done nothing personnel-wise, on-the-field product-wise, to help him yet. Maybe a coach, maybe a GM still, but personnel, players, the roster still sucks. Plain and simple. They need more weapons offensively. Here's your chance to do it. Especially if you're actually training Justin Fields to be better. You're putting in time and effort. You're changing up mechanics. Schematically, planning around him and his strengths. Make sure you finish it off and draft somebody to help him too. It's not going to help anybody if Justin Fields all of a sudden, oh, new mechanics and new coaching, new scheme, and yet still has no one to throw to or no time to throw the football. Either or, it's not a good situation. Changes still need to be made here. Nothing is set in stone yet for him or for the Bears. So here's your time to do it. And I love that answer about, oh, was he put in the right position to succeed last year? The answer is, I don't know. I would not have blamed him if he went off on Matt Nagy. I would have done it for him. But the fact is, it shows that he's not a diva. It shows that he's actually a workable human being, that he can be worked with and taught. Look, Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback, but you know what? At the end of the day, problems. Causes problems. Causes unnecessary problems for his team and for his own brand. Look at Allen Robinson. I bring this up all the time. Allen Robinson, even though last year he was sabotaged, didn't say a word. Till the year ended. Till he got a new contract. That's how it worked. I didn't see Robinson causing problems, going to the media, and trashing on his team, trashing on teammates. Maybe a tweet here or there, but you know what? I'd rather take a tweet here or there than further, than going further. Quarterback is the leader of your team. Quarterback is the face of the franchise. Quarterback is going to determine whether or not you win or lose at the end of the day, for the most part. You need somebody with their head screwed on straight. Need somebody who's going to be mature. Justin Fields is a second-year quarterback. He's a youngster, and he has the maturity complex already. That is a huge positive for him. And that's a life lesson. That's not even for football. That's in life, whatever he ends up doing, whether he's a great football player, whether he's a bust, to have that maturity at this age helps a ton. For him not to be scarred after last year, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he could sit there and actually say, well, I don't know. His quote, exact quote, I don't know. I'd be scarred after last year. And what happened? How could you not be? You were trotted out to the wolves your first time you went out there. Nine sacks from the Browns. Nope. His answer is, I don't know. I don't know if I was put in a position to succeed last year. Maturity. Trying to not cause problems. Being a good ambassador for the team. Good ambassador for his own brand and for his future. Showing that he's coachable, mature, smart, very smart. These are all positives when it comes to Justin Fields. You have to love them. These are the things I like to see. Granted, we didn't see much of it last year because the whole situation with Matt Nagy, I mean, there was a completely different story going on, but now we're seeing it here. Now we're seeing the first offseason in which Justin Fields is definitively a number one. 
taking first team reps, being with the first team, all these small things that will add up to big benefits in the future. Training with the first team, getting snapped with the first team, the offensive coordinator trying to tweak his mechanics a little bit, schematic changes, building an offense around him. The question is, how does he handle all this stuff? And so far, it's been so good. I mean, it's been great. Proving he's coachable, proving he's mature. That's the main lesson, at least from these quotes. Maybe it's just me. I don't like drama in general. It's not good for a brand. It's not good for a person. And it's not good if you're playing the team sport. That's across the board, not just football, everything. Drama is not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to cause unnecessary stress. It's going to hurt your brand and your public standing. And it may end up losing you games. A lot of the time, it loses you games. The Bears don't need... They have enough drama. The Bears have enough drama right now. New coach, new GM. Who are they going to sign? Who are they going to draft? They don't need a quarterback then saying, Hey, uh, I got a problem too. I'm going to speak up and cause problems. Although he'd be warranted to do it. The fact that he's not because he understands the situation, maturity. He's got a head. He's using it. That's what I love the most. Really. I mean, if there's one trait that I could say I love about Justin Fields right now, even more than on the field play, it's this. It's maturity. It's understanding the scope of the situation. Because you know what? That proves he's a man. And that also proves, again... That no matter what walk of life he goes into, he's going to be fine. Obviously, everybody wants him to be a superstar quarterback, but at the end of the day, if he's not, by some random occurrence, guess what? He's mature. He's mature, and he'll be okay in whatever he does. And he's young, and still has that maturity level. Great stuff. Can't argue with that. Still, the big question is, can the Bears cater around him? See, all these reports are encouraging. I'm even saying they're encouraging. I'm not hating on anything, but there always has to be skepticism. And again, we don't know. It's April. (laughs) It's not August, September. The season isn't starting yet. It's not going to start for a long time. We don't know how true all of this is, and the only thing that's going to prove it are actions. When we see Justin Fields play in September... Is it really an offense catered to him? Is he really getting enough time to throw the football? Does he really have enough weapons around him? Has he actually matured? Has he changed his mechanics like Luke Getze and him said? We don't know. I'd like to trust it, but obviously, I think all of us are scarred after the Matt Nagy experience. (laughs) We have to wait and see. I'm optimistic, though. Very optimistic. More optimistic today than I was just a few days ago. If all this is happening, and that means the Bears are at least indirectly saying, we prioritize Justin Fields, and then you're a friend of mine in my book. The whole point of this is to work around your quarterback. The fact is, the Bears have never had a franchise quarterback in decades, years, generations, generations even. I see your comments all the time. I'm 22. I see 60, 70-year-olds commenting, telling me, hey, I haven't seen a quarterback in a long time. I missed the 85 Bears. So it's not just me. Maybe I'm young, but it's not just me. Even people 40, 50 years older than me are lamenting for something good for once. 
that are the same old retreads that the Bears continue to put out year in and year out. I still can't believe they actually signed Mike Clennon. That's something that I'm never going to understand. So for once, they have a relatively young quarterback in his second year trying to prove himself. And for once, they're actually trying to help him. See, now it's going to be on field soon, and that's fine. That's how it should be. But the fact is, they're trying step-by-step to make things a little bit better for him come this year. And it already is going to look like somewhat of an improvement, at least in the sense that you don't have Matt Nagy anymore. You have an offensive coordinator with a new scheme and even trying to help Justin Fields mechanically. And maybe in the draft, you hit on somebody. And it helps out Fields immensely. Who knows? Maybe they get Olave. Probably not, but they could move up or they get Pickens again. Huge move. I'd be super happy. Just hope something happens. I hope we see actions that follow the words. That's all I can hope for right now. But these quotes certainly paint a happier picture than what we saw last year. At this time last year, Justin Fields wasn't even a bear. We were talking about Andy Dalton being the starter and competing with Nick Foles in voluntary minicamp. So things are much different this time this year, and they're going to be different in a year from now, too, when we talk about this. But the fact is, Justin Fields is getting first-team reps. He is considered the starter. He has a new coach and a whole new system with him. Somebody actually changing up his mechanics to help him, genuinely trying to help. And the Bears could still do something of significance in the draft. you got to like what you're seeing. And although at the moment, maybe the Bears have not done enough personnel-wise to help out Fields, at least they're helping him out a little bit behind the scenes. I still want more personnel, though. But behind the scenes, things are getting a bit better. There's really no arguing that point. Things are getting much better for him. Got to hope for the best here. That's all you could do. Just want to see something good happen. I know many of you do too. All of you do. I think everybody's pretty sick of the same old, same old and of the misery that this team causes. I mean, we're sitting here today talking about the Bears getting better, and yet we all fully know that 2022 could probably... Be a wash. I mean, we're sitting here accepting another year from Bears management. Granted, it's new Bears management, but still. There's some of you who've watched Bears football for 50, 60 years. How many times have you been told, oh, hey, just give us another year. Give us another quarterback. Give us another GM or head coach. We'll make it right. It's going to be very hard this time around to win fans' trust. Maybe not the young generation. I know lots of people my age who are so happy and chipper and, oh, everything's going to be great. No. The fact is, they still have to earn it. But right now, they are. But it has to be established. They have time to do it, and I hope they do. I want to see the Bears win. You know, every guest I have on, usually at the end, when we talk about the Bears, they say... Well, I hope for the best for the Bears. Football is always more entertaining when the Bears are winning. Chicago's a great football town. We, we hear it all the time, and yet the Bears have treated fans like crap. <laughs> so my hope is that something changes. And so far, at least on paper, at least according to quotes, things are going in the right direction. 
More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Mike Harmon comes up next, so stay tuned. Talk Chicago. Here for John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a host on Fox Sports Radio, the founder of SwollenDome.com, and the host of the I Want Your Flex podcast. Please welcome Mike Harmon to the program. Mike, it's great to have you on. How are you? It's good to be back. I see all the luminaries, uh, Chicago <laughs> legends that pass through here, hopefully uh, partially as worthy uh, the out-of-town perspective, but still the heart back in Chicago. Although you guys got snow yesterday. I was walking on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> I had to drive in that snow, Mike. That was kind of BS. You know, we're sitting here April and I'm, we're getting snow here. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons that, well, I don't know. You guys are taxed crazy. I mean, you know, and, and as are we, but it's one of the reasons that I pay into this, you know, California world is because of the weather. Right. So I, I guess I avoid that a little bit, but I, I do get to share these same traffic snarls. No question about that, but yeah, I miss seasonality. I got to be honest. Really? Why? Just there, there's a passage of time that way, right? Where okay. you kind of recognize. Now, obviously, the fact that it's drifted into late April is problematic. But <laughs> the, the idea that you go six months out of the year where there's really no variation, right? Unless you're out late and, you know, it'll get a little chilly, as they call it here in Southern California, which means, you know, it's going to be uh, in the upper 50s. But Look, I, I literally just booked for my birthday weekend in October. Ringo Starr's bringing his band to an outdoor venue, the Greek Theater, right? Get him to the Greek, uh, the famous place. I mean, that's mid-October, and I'm able to say you know, with pretty good certainty they won't get rained out. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but don't you – do you miss the seasonality at all? Like, do you, do you get soft, I should say? Do you get soft now because you're in California, you're not in Chicago anymore experiencing this cold weather? No, that, that is true. So, like, if I'm out late and the temperature does dip, because occasionally, depending on where you are, I mean, obviously right. it's a big state, you know, you got the mountains or whatever else. Uh, the knees start barking. Those, are, those old injuries <laughs> and old age and wrestling with the kids and all those little cracks, they, they show up. So sometimes you'll see me walking around town with a second pair of sweatpants on or something like you look like the state puff marshmallow, man. It's like knees are hurting and we still have work to do. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. But, yeah, uh, you know, paying attention, obviously, weather delays and cancellations or whatever affecting our sporting world. But uh, the fact that we're into a new season while a basketball team is still playing is just odd to me. Yeah, the White Sox were delayed yesterday. What's your take on how they've looked so far, though, overall? Well, six and three. I mean, you'll take it. It's like anything. You got to weather the storms. You get a, a great day one uh, out of Lucas, and he goes out with the the injury. You have Pollock, who has three hits. Obviously, opening day. I got. I took a lot of incoming uh, on my show at night on Fox Sports Radio after that one because we do needle each other, right? Jason Smith, my co-host, he's a Mets fan, so when things go awry, as they have historically with his bullpen, right? Starting pitching for him has been. Pretty nice for the decade, uh, almost near, almost a decade already, uh, that he and I have been doing the show. But uh, for me, you know, he likes to poke and prod. And when a fly ball that looks like it's going to send you to extra innings becomes a, a game-losing proposition, it's a problem. But, of course, he gets hurt. So, like, right now it's the, all right, feel it out. Obviously, Robert will have more success as the season goes on. But the fact that they're active on the base paths in 2022 is exciting to me. Right. That's get them on, get them over, get them in. We always used to hear it from Ed Farmer 
on the broadcasts uh, as, as we think of Ed, you know, at the new season uh, underway and, and all the hawkisms that, you know, still play in our heads uh, time and again. It, look, through nine games, you give me a, a six and three record, knowing that, that Dylan Cease has been fantastic and that the arm strength and the innings count. Because that's what you're watching. Like, certainly, bullpens became in the last 20 years, far more important, right? Needing to figure out where you can steal a day and not burn too many of them. And so, you know, for Tony LaRusso, that's one of the big tasks, at least for the first month or two, because of the shortened preseason and spring training, you assume guys were still doing their work, but you had a guy even as, you know, diligent on things on the national scale and certainly being here in Los Angeles, Clayton Kershaw, after being pulled, you know, in that perfect game scenario was kind of talking about workloads and what he did or didn't do. And he was kind of nebulous about it, but what he would have normally been doing in January because of an unknown labor situation, maybe guys weren't going full into their normal off season training and man to man, you might get that. Nobody's offering that out in the public sphere. What do you make of that Clayton Kershaw situation? I thought he should have finished it. I look, I, I not surprised because that's what the Dodgers do, right? Dave Roberts has now done it a couple times. <laughs> and I guarantee you as a former player and a guy that played and won at the highest level as he did, that's not his individual call, right? That that's an organizational because that that's one of the knocks on, on Roberts, despite all the success that he's had is that there is that, organizational top-down line of thinking of here's the analytics and here's how here's how we do things for years obviously what people have watched with the Cubs right and certainly with the White Sox trying to figure out where that art and science kind of thing comes together here with Tony La Russa and, and the way baseball is managed uh in 2022 uh for Clayton Kershaw I mean he's got his World Series right that's that's in the books you've got all the Cy Youngs you've got all the accolades how many, how many chances of that are you going to have? Not so many. he might have said all the right things corporate-wise that day. The following day, he was on a fence and kind of doing a tap dance. A month from now, he may regret it, right? Folks say, well, what, what's the value of it now? It's like, well, the value of it is he's a guy that's going to the Hall of Fame. It would be the 24th in history. And look, you, you take your shot. Even if you just bring him out for the eighth and go batter to batter, see how many pitches it takes, see how he's feeling. Might have lost it the first pitch he threw. For folks that were um, upset and angry, kind of go into the larger, all right, well, we need him in October. It's like, how's not pitching the eighth or ninth guaranteeing that his back doesn't flare up, his shoulder doesn't fly into the third deck, his elbow doesn't, you know, go down the first baseline <laughs> as he follows through. I mean, all of these things, you know, the assumption of, you know, saving it for good. That's, that's what my mom used to say all the time. I don't know if you're, you're familiar, right? Southside Chicago. My mom, we'd give her nice things. Like my brothers and I, we'd hustle and trading card shows and and paper routes and whatever we're and we'd go find a nice top or or maybe you know a t-shirt from a concert we went to or whatever. Thinking she'd like, and we'd always get the line. I'm saving it for good. It's like, damn it, we're here today. All right, that good may never come. So it always sat in the back of the closet. We'd find these things that weren't worn. And then they were being donated. So somebody else got to use them. Hopefully they wore them in good health. But for my mom, it was a lot of things that went into these boxes that were saved for good. With Clayton Kershaw, that's exactly what they did. 
and they're going to hear about it for the rest of the season. And if he gets injured, it gets even louder because now you say, well, why didn't we? Why didn't we push? And, and that's that's the larger thing. And it, it's curious that, you know, the first two weeks of the season, we certainly had plenty of storylines, which is great for Major League Baseball to get folks excited other than, you know, having to just build out a big scorecard of where you can find a game. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, Johan Santana, 2013, the no-hitter. So the Mets kept him in, and he threw like 130 pitches, got the no-hitter, then he got hurt. He was never the same after that game. I feel like there was a precedent shift because everybody saw what happened to Santana. Do you agree with that, or what do you think? It's outliers, right? We'll get into football contracts and all that fun stuff in a minute. But (laughs) it's also 130 pitches. Kershaw was still pretty on on his game right he was saying his curveball might not have been as sharp and and that i'll let others you know debate those and and go through and pull all the charts and dips and whatever else but he was at 80 pitches and and i i'm young enough to embrace analytics and all that i'm old school enough to know that 80 pitches should not be a breaking point for a pitcher i don't care if it's april 5th i don't care if it's september 15th if you're at 80 pitches and you're a, you're a professional athlete, 80 pitches should not be where your arm is. I'm done. Unless you're a closer, or I, I can't wait to see what happens with Hunter Green throwing 3,800 <laughs> mile out an hour pitches in a game. Uh, that That's a whole other, you know, you know, modern Marvel meta human kind of thing that we'll be monitoring. But I, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. Like I, I don't. And just because I saw all the Santana quotes and pictures and whatever else, like, that's 130. That's 130 hard, hard innings, right? Kershaw was breezing. Santana had to work a lot of counts and hard pitches. We always talk about stressful minutes on basketball courts or, you know, possessions in football games and one meaning more than another. Same thing here. Kershaw was, was dealing. So it seemed like the, the fluidity was there. And there's still a week and a half later. It's a big deal here in Los Angeles. It bring, it's caught been uh, brought up on almost every show. Mike Harmon here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mike, let's talk some Bears now. What was your reaction to their hirings at head coach and GM? I, I like being bold, right? Obviously, it was time for a new voice, time time for a, a change. Uh, I like that Eberflus from all reports in, in day one, as everybody hit the buildings, he was in the offensive meetings, right? And that he wants to, to be hands-on. Everybody that you talk to, uh, that knew him from his time in Indianapolis raves about the mind. Likewise, in the front office, right? There's, there's, but you got to exhibit patience, right? Everybody wants spend, spend, spend. I mean, you don't want to be the Jaguars. You want activity, <laughs> right? And you want to be judicious because this allows me to do my quick Christian Kirk rant to just shut everybody Go up. Go ahead, please. Well, because he got paid a lot of money and the stats would not be commensurate of, of the contract, right? I mean, or vice versa. You, you you get what I'm saying. Like people are are going, well, that's that's the bar for all these other young receivers. Like, no, no, no. It's like the Tom Brady contract, right? It's the outlier. It's the outlier because everybody else is operating in this pool and in this reality. Just because the Jaguars had to overpay to try to bring someone to town, and then did it again and again and again because that's who they are and that's who they have to be doesn't mean you've got to be foolish with your money and your contracts as well. Likewise, going to anybody and saying, hey, can you give us the Tom Brady discount? Not everybody's married to Giselle and has played 20 years where they've banked 
without endorsements, without anything else, and not breaking the bank, he's still over $250 million in career earnings. And that's while always being cap friendly. No other quarterback is anywhere close to being that guy. Likewise with Christian Kirk. But I digress. You know, the changes on defense, I think, are going to be the, the most interesting part of this, right? Fields, we, we don't know what we have there. And anybody claiming that they, they know based on a couple of series or a half of a game that you liked. Because, I mean, obviously he was put in a terrible position. And I like that he's already got the veteran quarterback politician in him. Were you put in a position to succeed? I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, just <laughs> I'm, I'm not touching it. Right. I mean, there's what's what's the value in that? Right. There's no value. And I like that even as a second year guy, he gets that. Right. Here's my team moving forward. And there's a lot of change. And certainly on the defensive side, getting a lot younger, still a couple of those key components. Uh, but how that gels is going to going to seal it all. I mean, we'll see in the draft. I mean, this is a, a draft when you're looking at wide receivers, you really would love to have a day one pick sitting there. So we'll see how creative they get. What kind of reinforcement should they be targeting specifically in the draft wide receiver and offensive line? Probably. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you can never have enough linemen in today's day right. and age, particularly if you're going to have a guy that uh, a big part of his game is going to be pushing things to the edge. Right. You and I talked during the season uh, after he'd taken over last year and it's like, all right, if that's going to be part of the game, then you, you need five dancing bears that are going to get it. And I, and I say that tongue in cheek, but I mean, that's the term that people use in talent evaluation all the time. If the guy's going to get to the edge, you better have guys that understand the movement as opposed to, all right, we're just pass blocking as if Peyton Manning were standing back there as a statue, right? For Justin Fields, it's going to be a lot about extending plays. Ergo, when you go and add any more wide receivers, either guys that are still free agents now that maybe you, you can get a little cheaper than maybe they price themselves going into the market or we get into the draft where it is pretty deep this year that, you know, a lot of it is just breaking containment and being patient and giving Justin Fields an opportunity to have that, that opportunity downfield, right? Big plays are going to be there, but not if he's consistently in a situation like he was in that Cleveland game where, I mean, everybody that has ever watched a game of football said, this just is right. I was at, uh, we've got a Geno's East that opened up in Sherman Oaks, right near my studio, right? So we go, all the, you know, hometown guys, pictures all over the wall, and a bunch of Bear fans. And I, I was there with a couple of folks that are not football fans. After two series, they looked at me and said, this isn't how an offense runs, right? I'm like, no, no. They have, they have set this, they, they've put this poor man into a terrible, terrible situation. And that was, that was very early in the game. And then it just got worse and worse. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can be uh, year two, but yeah, offensive line, always a priority wide receivers go find a game changer. Go. I, I love Darnell Mooney. That that's a good spot. We need to figure out what Cole Komet is. But I don't think we know. I mean, you, you, you watch as closely or, you know, you talk to a lot of folks. Does that, does anybody stand for him at a high level? There's not at all. A lot of wishing and hoping but not a lot of decisive, this is who he is. Because six, 60 catches, 600 yards, and zero touchdowns, zero, your tight end has to be a red zone threat. And I know the Bears didn't have a lot of red zone, well, anything, a year ago. But 
you have that. And you've got a backfield that's interesting. Darrington Evans uh, never really got a chance, couldn't stay healthy either. So, like, that kind of plays together. But Herbert showed you he can play. Montgomery, when he's healthy, can play. But, again, goes back to the five guys up front and whether you can get a consistent push. Because the division potentially is there, right? I mean, it's the, it's going to be cannibalism this year. Like, because I don't think the Packers are that that team anymore. Maybe they are. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a bum slayer and has been for years, right? He, feasting on the NFC North. On paper, the Vikings are the best. On paper, I think, at least in my opinion. But what what's the new coaching staff and regime there? And can you coach big games out of Kirk Cousins? There's the billion dollar question. And Detroit's Detroit. <laughs> Mike Harmon here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mike, let me ask you this. What do you make of the rumor that the Bears are not committed to Justin Fields? Filling column inches in, a, in an offseason. <laughs> I mean, there's been an awful lot of change in that building to try to say, yeah, we are. Right? I mean, turning over a lot of roster, turning over a lot of decision makers, coaches, all of that. I think they realized after watching Matt Nagy for a couple of years, because look, you and I have talked a bunch of times, you know, and I, I know folks, uh, uh, many people were not, I'm, I'm still a, a Trubisky truther, I guess, if, you, if you're going to put it in, you know, and grab some of the geopolitical world into it. It's like, I think he was a better quarterback than he got credit for. And the fact that Allen Robinson and you and I talked about it, we can go find the clip from last year that I thought he shut it down and he's more, more or less confirmed that all off season that he was done with the Matt Nagy era. That's a pretty big deal, right? Pretty big indictment. A guy who has performed in Jacksonville gave you big numbers more or less said, you know what? I'm done with this. This is a waste of, I'm not getting myself killed for this. I'm paraphrasing of course, but, but it just to that point of you have a new voice and I, and I don't know that Justin Fields can erase whatever bad habits he may have picked up, right? That's one of the things like, all right, it was only one year. So you hope that you can erase the stagnant offense that existed. And, and the, the fact that he goes back to Kansas city, I, I don't, I don't get it, but you know what? Good, good for him. Uh, he's on to his next path, but for the bears, it was clearly, done but Trubisky got them to the playoffs twice and you can argue the defense did their thing and they did but it has to work in concert and last year was disjointed and painful as any season that any Bears fan I mean and you're, and you're young so you're still yeah but you've got you know the the middle-aged guys angst when it comes to this team because you live and die with it uh, I see it in your face but it's it's just the for Justin Fields now it's it's time to move forward and what they'll do in the next nine days ahead of the draft. And during those three days is going to tell you an awful lot uh, of where they want to put their stock and trade for the 2022 season. And I got to believe there's an awful lot of help coming on the offensive side. Are you at all worried about the fact that he's going to have to learn a new offense and pretty much break the bad habits for Matt Nagy. I kind of look at this like a Josh Rosen situation, right? Josh Rosen, rookie head coach, obviously didn't work out. And maybe he doesn't have the talent that Justin Fields has. But at the end of the day, bad coach. And that really set him back for the rest of his career. Do you think anything to that extent could happen to Fields? Or do you think he can overcome this? 
Well, with Rosen, there was always a question, even coming out of UCLA, about who he was as a worker, right? Talent was there, but who he was and his love. I I hate the love of the game, but that's where we're at, right? We're talking about it with Thibodeau, right, at the top of the draft this year, right, coming out of Oregon. He's got all sorts of other things going on. Does he love the game? With Josh Rosen, going back to hot tubs and everything else at UCLA, it was, does he love this? And look, Steve Wilkes is now part of the Flores lawsuit, right? And, and, all, and he got screwed, right? He, he, but we, we understand how business works today. Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, you thought it was, well, you had to link them together if you could, so they did. And unfortunately, he's the guy that, that ends up going out of town. But defensive coach and also dealing with, a, you know, a guy coming in, um, not, not a lot of opportunity. You know, you had Larry Fitzgerald and a bunch of guys and Fitzgerald was towards his end. His patience for the next guy might not have been to the same level. And he does a lot of press and we'll see, you know, eventually maybe you get more, more out of that. But with Rosen, did he ever really get a true fair shot? I don't know, but there was still that background that was there with Justin Fields. We don't have that background, right? At least from all appearances, as we've seen, this is a guy that wants to work, right? He's in the building first day, ready to lead, answering all the tough questions about what his rookie year was. So I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to break through that and that this staff is going to be supportive, right? With Matt Nagy, did, did he really, other than standing for Andy Dalton every chance he got, did he really seem like he was supporting anybody else and propping anybody else up in that building? I think that was one of the biggest failures. And it's something I bring up on our national show on Fox Sports Radio quite a bit uh, of how inept and pathetic a lot of the coaches, GMs, and even quarterbacks are in front of a microphone, right? You're leaders of a multi-billion dollar franchise, regardless, all the way down to Jacksonville, right? They're multi-billion dollar franchises across, and, and you're the faces of them, the head coach, your GM, and your quarterback. The number of quarterbacks that now three or four words, not really an explanation. You don't have to give the, give away the farm, but people, I mean, look, you could say they're not paying your salary. They, they broadcast partners pay money because people are watching and advertisers spend because people are watching. All right. It, it still comes back to the base consumer, even if you want to dismiss ticket sales or whatever else. It's like, so while they don't, ex- you shouldn't give them everything in terms of how a game plan worked, didn't work, whatever. You got to get feed him a little bit something. With Nagy, he lost every press conference he ever walked into. <laughs> and it was a pass the buck. I don't know. Golly gee whiz. Aw shucks. We lost another one. Kind of feel every Monday. Right? And, and you knew it was coming. No matter how close a game was or how poor it was, the answers were going to be the same. And at no point was he really going to prop up any portion of that squad to where you felt he was leading a locker room. And I, I get a very distinct, I mean, I, I think there has been a line of demarcation and with the new regime into the suits and everything that you, you have a different feel of this is what we're trying to do. We're bringing in guys that are going to fit what we do. And this is how we're building. You're going to have to work. And, I mean, that's the bottom line, right? Bucky Brooks and I do a Sunday morning show, right? Scout in the league, works at NFL Network. He goes, what do you hear? Consistent. 
you're going to come in here and you're going to work. If you don't fit the profile of that, we're, we're not bending you in. You're either in or you're, you'll be somewhere else. And, and I like that there looks to be that straight line approach. And I think Justin Fields will thrive in such. What do you expect out of the Bears next year? I don't know. I got, I got to wait till mid-May when that schedule comes out, right? Because then we can get, pick all the games. No, I, we obviously know all the opponents. <laughs> but, look, it, it's, it's all steps, right? Like now it's going from A to B and then B to C, right? We're, we're down off a, a miserable season that we watched game after game, a lot of wishing and hoping, and then the inevitable tail at the end of a game, right? Some great performances, right? We talk about some of the pressures that, that we saw when you're looking at Smith and Quinn. Cool. Hopefully they can match what they did and the rest rises up, right? You made a big move in, in sending Khalil Mack away. You got to see something on the field to that because people like star power and rec name recognition and whatever. So it's got to be replaced. So obviously, you know, step one is you, you, you want to say you're back at the back end of the playoffs again. I mean, that's a goal, but certainly a 500 record. Is that great? No, but I think given the era that just ended, even with a couple of playoff appearances and stipulate to that, nobody ever felt great about the squad the hope is here that even at a 500 record that Justin Fields gives you enough to believe that you're pushing in the right direction and I think over the next couple of weeks we'll we'll definitely see where that direction heads uh, as they finish constructing the squad for to come with Mike Harmon in just a moment stay tuned this is Sports Talk Chicago Mike Harmon still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mike, a few more questions before we finish yeah. up. First off, uh, the White Sox and the World Series hope. So if they make it, are you going to be in person or how, how do you plan to celebrate? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll find our way there. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Between my brothers and I, have, I, look, man, I've been waiting since 05 again. Come on now. Man, what do you I plan on doing? Game two, I got back there for game two of that series, right? Obviously the Grand Slam and and all of that. And I go and, and hug Paul Canerco's stature every chance I get. Uh, at one point, my producer from my show got him to record a birthday message for me. And then I think he pretty much told my producer to lose his number, which is kind of funny. But either way, it, it was good. But I always get back and uh, I, I remember that distinctly because I was doing a lot of radio hits for the job I was doing at that point. A lot of fantasy football. And I had to cancel several days because I had zero voice by the time I finish that game. <laughs> but yeah, where, where, wherever that happens to be, uh, obviously get home for a game or two, possibly. Uh, the beauty of this remote work thing, right, with these Comrex units, I can now go everywhere. Back in the day, it was, all right, we need you in a studio. Now I just need to find somebody's home with a fast enough wireless uh, or a wire connection uh, and router that I can get in, right? So I'll have to have them up their internet speed for a month. And I'll have to pay the difference. But uh, and, and then obviously, look, selfishly for our network and for a lot of friends and people that are part of my life out here, I would I would love to see a 59, you know, 59 series revisited. Right. Still have some folks creeping around that were there and, and those hallowed games. But Dodger Stadium. 
White Sox fans invading from the 108. I, I think we could have some fun with that. When's the I last mean, time on, you've been in studio? Wear, I mean, I didn't even show you. I mean, come on. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we got our new merch. I mean, it arrived just in time. It was on my doorstep when I got home from my show last night. So there you go. Little Lewis Robert. I, I don't know. I like the characterization. It's pretty good. Yeah, perfect for the show today and for the recording. I bet. Well, perfect. I mean, you got to show love to the hometown. Right. I mean, I got a, I got a plethora of hats, bunch of okay. jerseys in the closet. I mean, we get we got a little bit of everything, a little bit of style. We got the uh, stair climber behind me. So I mean, you know, I got to get my work in because if I'm going to come home, I'll put 15 pounds on because I'll be uh, raiding all of my favorite food. We're going to ask you when's the last time you've been in studio for Fox Sports Radio. I go in every Sunday. Okay. So um, part of it is guys that I'm working with and, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. It's a hard overnight schedule. For so sure. they need a little jolt towards the end of the shift to be in your face and animated. Right. So like your, your technical producer and, and your producer uh, in studio, your you know, everybody gets together and it's easier. Like when you're, when I'm working with Smith, I do it five nights a week and have for not almost nine years. So there's a cadence there's a comfort. I don't need to see his mug every day. Now the studios have reopened, right? We had for a long time, it was all right. If you need to come in and certainly some folks, right. If we're on our weekend schedule, they're only in for a couple, couple hours, but it was, here's the list of all the things you need to do masks, etc., and, and everything else. Some of those have now lifted for the weeknight show. Look, I'm not doing that drive if I don't have to. And the show, I think, still sounds great. And right now, they're not forcing me back. I mean, it's an hour and a half commute, each, like, one way. Wow. I mean, coming back at night, I get off late enough that unless there's construction or whatever, it's only about 35 minutes. But I've legitimately gotten near to 10 hours of my life back every week by not having to drive to the studio. But uh, I do go in every couple of weeks. And if Jason takes a night off, I go in to check in on the guys. We we usually order pizza from Geno's or or have something brought in and, and we get to commiserate. They get to complain about whatever's going on in their respective lives. I say, we're just put the Sox game on and I'm happy <laughs> and we move on. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing. But but there there's nothing, as you know, like live live studio people buzzing around uh it's a different environment and it was even pre-covid right because in our building for a long time we had nikki six of motley crew had a studio right at the end of our hallway so like legitimately you could be in doing show prep talking about stories and all of a sudden you'd see a couple of people whiz by and you're looking going i think okay and then all of a sudden you'd have someone come in and sit in it's like hey they asked if they can come sit in for a segment is that cool it's like it's duff mckagan yeah sit <laughs> right slash whoever i mean guys are wandering the hallway i once helped marilyn manson get a cup of coffee i mean obviously you know he's <laughs> in different circumstances now and there's a lot more to that but but at the time he's like you had rock stars walking through because nikki not only did the radio show and obviously readying for another tour with mom crew but he's a big photographer so he had these thrones and lighting and this all like he'd get these great photos and they'd show up in all sorts of magazines and be like wow who shot those like yeah that's down the hall from us <laughs> so you know it, it's just different there right you don't have that same buzz steve harvey's people and his show worked out of our studios 
And wow. he was in every couple of weeks. He'd be in for a couple of days. So like it was different because all of a sudden you see a Maybach parked in one of the big front spots. You're like, whoa. And then you didn't get too close because there was a security guard to make sure you didn't get too close. But still, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson is out here for his radio show quite frequently out of one of our buildings. I used to run into him all the time. So uh, that, I missed that kind of feel, right? Because it was the world was coming in. But we've got a hot yoga place that you should come and visit sometime. Meet a lot of young Hollywood people, men and women, uh, that are going <laughs> in and out. Some of whom know our show. And it's like, hey, that guy's going to be on in like 45 minutes. Like, All right. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, it's it's a different world. But I try to get in as, as often as I can because you need, I think you need that human interaction. And I think it makes for the light, nice spontaneity of uh, what a live radio show should be. Mike, before we finish up today, last question. What's the most backlash you've received for an opinion of yours? Well, the Rogers bum slayer thing didn't sit well with a lot of people. I think, I think he, well, I mean, just, you know, the fun and exciting world of Twitter, which is why I laugh at it and say, say, tell your friends, the more you hate something I say, the better, right? Obviously you have folks that try to inject, oh, I, I want to infer that you, you said something of this, you know, and, and certainly during the, the height of the Colin Kaepernick discussion several years ago, any opinion was going to be met with cries and, and anger of, of different things. Like, no, we got a couple of guys that are pretty vocal, but they're loyal listeners. So we appreciate the hell out of them uh, that, you know, defend basketball culture uh, to, to the, to the wall and that we don't understand. It's like, no, they're playing basketball. And sometimes guys pop off in the media, like this Kyrie Irving thing gets people mad. Uh, but, you know, when, when it's all said and done, I try to come at it with some bit of logic. And if you listen to us long enough, you know that when we do go off to the hot take nonsense button, as I like to call it, there's usually a little bit of sarcasm dripping because we know that that's going to get people riled up. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's theater, theater of the mind is radio, right? You learn that in school, certainly. And, and working as, as you do each night, it's like part of it is, building a story and if folks want to make you the bad guy that it makes them feel better about some other portion of their life i'm willing to take that on i got no problem it's helped me have a nice long multi-decade career in this business at this point i mean look the other the other is that you know i i, I still have you know some love and reverence for the uh, bears career of jay cutler i know oh, you're jay free cutler yeah, you know, your frequent guest, uh, Mike North and I, we used to fight all the time when we were doing a show together uh, where he was he was the biggest Josh McCown stan. I was on the Jay Cutler, but look at the roster that's built around him. And again, decision makers, that's been a constant. But that's Chicago sports in a nutshell, isn't it? Oh, yeah. a couple of years here and there, there's a <laughs> lot of questionable moves uh, that get made along the way. But yeah, I, I, I take it all in, in stride, right? I mean, look, you're the old rule of thumb doing having done uh, support early in my career at Yahoo is you're, you're going to get a hundred blank U's for every one attaboy. Right. And, you know, folks watching and listening can think about their own jobs, right? How, how often does your boss walk by and say, yeah, that was really well handled versus, hey, you, you, you put the decimal, you, you didn't carry the one. 
right? Or, you know, this customer says you, you rolled your eyes or whatever else. Like you're going to get far more complaints than you are positivity. We, fortunately, we've got bosses that when they hear us tackle something hard, they want to, they want to listen to how we approach it. And I think, you know, Jason and I, we, we've developed, uh, you're going to get an empathetic look at the world, right? Recognizing the humanity of the players, but guys do something dumb. Guys do something dumb. Coach, player says something dumb. You're fair game. Doesn't take the humanity out of it, but in the moment it is, let's talk about it for entertainment, right? Kyrie Irving flipping people off. I don't know. Embrace your inner villain, I guess, was his moment. <laughs> Some folks, that take was a bridge too far. Well, he did it to the fans or whatever. Okay. Fine. He's going to get fined $200,000 or whatever the maximum is for, you know, what, 50000 per infraction. Move on. Did I say he was a bad guy? No. I said he was human. And he had his human moment. And if that makes me makes him a bad guy in your eye, great. If that makes me a bad guy for saying I really didn't care, then okay, I'm a bad guy too, and I'm the I'm what's leading to the downfall of society. And I'll carry that torch. I might put that on a shirt. It's all my fault. Well, buy that shirt. Would you? Okay, yeah. I, I'll I'll so. have my daughter come up with a cool creative uh, logo. We've got a couple of ideas in the hopper, but but legit, right? I mean. Obviously, it's it's a different environment than it was even five years ago, um, and and you do while you're not. I don't want to say choosing your words correctly. You do know the parameters of where you're joking. You don't get the same leeway, right? Because people are will snip it off for those two seconds and say, "Look what he said." It's like, well, no. In the context, it built up to a good joke that was a one-liner. However. Right. You decide you want to put it on Twitter. Now I'm the bad guy. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're we don't write our shows like we know a lot of people that write 80 percent of what they do. Ours is watch, read, react. Jason may have a couple of quick notes to get something started, but then I react to what he says, which means sometimes you're going to get marble mouthed. Sometimes there's going to be a, I don't know, especially if something just happened in a game, right? Or, you know, some story that just broke as we're on air. But in the end, it, that's, the, that's the fun of it, right? Being able to think on your feet. And once you get good at that, I mean, the world's your oyster, as they say. How's that for a 1950s phrase? <laughs> Perfect way to end the program. But, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to talk. And best wishes, of course, with the radio program on Fox Sports and everything else you're working on. Looking forward to the next time we chat, too. I can't wait till you hire me to do a job, too. <laughs> and that, that's, that's coming soon enough, I'm sure. No, it's always a pleasure to sit down and talk to you, talk a little bit of hometown uh, and the, the larger broadcasting world because uh, it's changing by the day. Great talk there with Mike Harmon, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Mike Harmon himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTolman, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluo. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes away tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?